All right. This is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. And this is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. So uh, it is the September the 20th. This is a Wednesday, and it's uh, actually unusual that we're doing it on a Wednesday, but we have a wonderful, wonderful guest, Anju Hippolyte. Did I say it right? Did I nail it? You did. You did. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm just going to adjust your mic just a little bit. There we go. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we wanted you on the, you know, Norman had been bugging me. He's like, when are you getting Anju on? Anju on. Contact her. Contact her. I'm like, okay, well. And I, you know, write you on Facebook, and I had to find your number because I remember you and I, we did 110 in the Shade. Yes, we did. Which is a wonderful production at the DMT, mm-hmm. Douglas Morrison Theater. And uh, so finally we got a hold of you because you've been busy. You've been uh, acting. You've been doing a lot of stuff. I have been. Yeah. It's been a good <laughs> year for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get into um, Anjou, Norman, how are you doing? Life is good. Excellent. <laughs> Actually, life is weird. Somebody asked me about... Um, how do you know autumn has started? And mm-hmm. I'm like, right now autumn has started. I have a full week, which I've not had for over a month. <laughs> so I'm running at pretty much every day. I think today was my easiest day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then all through the weekend. So that's all going on. Yeah. Finally got a rehearsal schedule. I saw as I pulled up home today, mm-hmm. got a rehearsal schedule for Hamlet. Yeah. I haven't opened it yet, so <coughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm a little nervous. And um, and then I got to go out last night. I went out to the alley last night. Hey, your favorite hangout spot. I got to go and have a really nice time yeah. singing. And Andrew, do, do, you, do you frequent the alley? It's, it's like a karaoke place. They have well, like a live piano. They only do karaoke one night, but they have a little bit of live piano and a yeah. little bit of Well, I shouldn't guitar. say karaoke. Basically, right. they have a piano guy and you say, hey, do it's you know... Like, Right. Sun, you know, sun, sunlight in my eyes or something They've like that. They've got lists of songs, and then you can ask them if they know some other things. Yeah. yeah. You told me about that. it before, Norman. It's and a lot I of mentioned fun. that I went to the one in San Francisco right, the, um, with some friends. Well, the name escapes me right now. It begins with an M. Mm, no, it's don't Martinelli's? The, hmm? Is it Martinelli's? Martoonies. 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 Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, the alley isn't anywhere near as serious mm-hmm. as Martini's. By the way, Andrew, please help yourself with uh, the food. I'll, I'll always okay. feed everybody at the A, so uh, <laughs> no, go for it. Uh, but um, there wasn't – there was a different crowd last night. It was mm-hmm. midweek, and it, there were some regulars, but not singing for the most part. And then there was this amazing little crew of singers. Um, all of them but me, for about an hour, all of them but me were, ma- uh, were female. Mm. And – that also doesn't happen there mm-hmm. very much. There's often nights where I've walked in and it's all guys around the piano, and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for that tonight. Yeah. Um, last night it was all women, and you know, a couple of people who'd not really sung there before. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. It was fun. I picked some songs, and the crowd mm-hmm. just kind of went nuts for it, and I was like, wow, <coughs> feeling pretty good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Life goes. Life goes on. Yeah, life's pretty good to me. Uh, tomorrow uh, we start the uh, Nia rehearsals, uh, uh-huh. the musical that I wrote. So uh, I'm very excited about that. So my room, my little apartment, <laughs> is going to be converted into a rehearsal studio, uh, which which will be fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Uh, that's part of the uh, musical cafe, uh, which will be performing in October. So we'll be plugging that later on. Mm-hmm. And um, had a dental appointment. The uh, dentist looked at my teeth and said, "Okay, you, you're good. See you later." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which which is good, mm-hmm. um, but you know that's been uh, so that's what's going on with me. Let's see current events. So 
Ivanka Trump apparently is having uh, <laughs> post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, okay. she, she, she's on the doctor. Postpartum? Or postpartum. 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 Well, she had postpartum. She's talking. This is an interview that she's going to be doing, I guess, this coming weekend with Dr. I think Oz. Dr. Phil. Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz. Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz. I don't know if it even makes a difference. But One of those doctors. This is just, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I hate to say, you know, First world problems or, ah. or <laughs> privileged white folk problems or whatever, but I just think that it's just a you know woe is me you know it's everyone's just, hating on my father so you know, pity 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 being especially yeah. after he just undercut women you know they were supposed to be there were all these things that he keeps just saying nope we're not going to do that and so it was one trying mm-hmm. to make sure that there was some uh, pay parity yeah for women and that's yeah, exactly gone. yeah the lead oh, but but yeah but now she you know mm-hmm. but now she's feeling blue. Oh, yeah. And and this is a day after I think it was yesterday that he went to the United Nations and Mm -hmm. called uh, Kim Kim Jong-un rocket man and said that he was just going to blow up North Korea. He's going to blow up North Korea as if it weren't completely attached to South Korea. Right. Okay, right. and it's twenty-five million people. So he's just threatened twenty-five yeah. million to kill twenty-five. And million which, people. and that's the exact propaganda that North Korea wants. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they they have right. this propaganda. Hey, right. America's evil, evil, evil. Well, thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Mister Trump, for telling, for you know, promoting right. his exactly that. Yeah. Perfect. So we had to bring it back to Ivanka. Had to bring it back to domestic issues because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because she's the only brain in the family, or what have you. It's just you know, just I roll city. That's is basically. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about what's happening in in the world, Anju? I mean, as far as the United States and Trump's election and and all of this, it's a it, it's a disaster. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it feels like an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like your body eats away at itself, mm-hmm. and yeah. I just really feel like this particular administration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is just adding to that yeah. disease, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that at some point very soon, it feels like we're going to implode and self-destruct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had um, Cecilia Palmtag on, I think it was last week, and she talked about just feeling physically ill mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Trump was elected. And I think she felt it as a woman. She talked about, we talked about how, I really felt that it was, I mean, the election, it was just a, a spit in the face of, of the woman. Mm-hmm. I know that people didn't really connect with, with Hillary Clinton. I mean, there are a lot of women, I talked to a lot of women who were like, oh, wouldn't you feel proud that Hillary would be the first female president? And they're like, well, no, not really. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the way that Trump is elected, I mean, did you, how did you feel as a woman um, when he was elected? I mean. I, I felt like it was a slap in the face, a spit in the face. If He's just not for lack of a better word, presidential. Like, even in, you see him talking, it's like he insults people. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's really berates people. Yeah. He goes out of his way. I mean, he's a a troll. I mean, he really is the embodiment of a troll. And a bully. Yeah. It just seems like it's an extension of the show that he had. I can't remember the name right now. Oh, the Apprentice. Yes. Yes. It's just. Right. The whole country has now been turned into extras on The Apprentice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I did want to ask a quick question before we get into our usual spiel because, you know, it's said that the white man oppresses the black man and then the black man in turn oppresses the black woman. I mean, I've heard mm-hmm. that statement. Have you heard that statement before, Norman? I've not, not heard it put that way, but, you know, I, I think John Lennon <laughs> said it well. 
Oh, what did Lennon say? Um, things you aren't supposed to report or repeat on the radio. But oh, oh, well, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a <laughs> podcast. But no, women, women have carried that weight. Black women have carried that weight in America for a long time. So yeah. yeah. There was a nice story about Michelle this week. What was Michelle it? Obama? You yeah. know, she she um, it was it was beyond. Uh, well, uh, the one that I read was mm-hmm. Beyonce. You know, Beyonce has the this persona. Right. I, I can't describe it because I'm middle aged and <laughs> I'm sort of out of it. But where Beyonce has like this bolo hat, these these braids. Oh. And like a, I don't know, a sombrero or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are these women who impersonate or they do these pictures mm-hmm. looking like Beyonce. And, of course, the hair, the head is covered. Right. And there are these pictures that have been shown throughout the Internet. Oh. And people are just guessing, okay, who's that star impersonating Beyonce? And B- Michelle Obama uh-huh. was one of them. Oh. Sort of, okay. prom- you know, I guess giving her allegiance to, what do they call the, the Beyonce um Queen bees, queen bees, the beehive, yeah, beehive, beehive, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yay! So, um, but getting back, uh, uh, what were you saying about Michelle Obama? She was. Uh, I think it was just an article saying that she's doing her best to sort of flow through this and and keep sane. I mean, that's I'm really you mm-hmm. know misstating what the article was saying, but I just love that. Because if she does something, then they comment on it. Sure. If she doesn't do something, then they comment sure. on it. Right. And she seems smart enough to just kind of know, oh, yeah. I'm, and especially with all the blowback, because the other thing we really should talk about is Hillary mm-hmm. and the book. Yeah. And the reaction to the book. Because the book, who doesn't write a book? Yeah. Everybody writes, writes a book right. after sure. something. So, fine. And if you really want to know what they personally thought about it, this is your chance to hear that. Right. Um, the fact that people are giving her grief over doing it is just ridiculous. Yeah. And so, that was one of the things the article was saying is, mm-hmm. Michelle will be smarter than this. <laughs> well, I mean, no, there's no – I mean, everyone's going to react. I mean, this is the world that we live in now. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a reaction or a reaction, and you don't need to react to every single thing right. that people say. Well, and, and they're right. There are intelligent ways to do it. Um, I, you know, you know, I'm Hillary is not high on my list of, of people. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I can respect what she, her accomplishments, and I can respect her intelligence. There's mm-hmm. no question. This is a very, very of smart course. woman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you read all the criticism that's coming out, in fact, one woman got in like Vanity Fair or something, The Atlantic or someplace. Yeah. Um, and it says in her critique, mm-hmm. I did. She didn't actually read the whole book. Oh, that's right. She's giving a critique on but Hillary, she but she didn't read the book. Yeah, but she didn't read the book. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. okay. So yes, for those who need to point out all the misogyny that this is indicative of, absolutely, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Hillary has a complete right to speak. Not only a right to speak, I want somebody, and that's I posted that today. Mm-hmm. I would love somebody like Colbert to. To just make her a regular, this is what the president yeah. should have done mm-hmm. today. Yeah, this is what the president should have said today. Oh yeah, and yeah. let her yeah. just be that the, way. the Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. on this presidency, yeah. I think that would be fun. And, and yeah. President Obama, I mean, former President Obama, he's that's exactly what he's doing. You know, he's commenting on occasionally on what he, Trump he's is trying doing. to restrain yeah. himself, and he's, he he's just doing a little bits or whatever. You know, I don't think he's being disrespectful, but somebody has to. There has to be some sort of counterbalance to right. what's going on. Um, so, so Anju, um, did I say that right? Anju. You did. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. think, think about it anymore. Capital J, then you'll get it right. Anju. Anju. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
But I remember in 2008, I had a uh, discussion with a uh, woman, white woman, and she was so frustrated. She was like, well, you know, why is it – she was frustrated that Obama had won the Democratic nomination. Right. And she was like, why is it that women have to, you know, take a, a step back? You know, why, it's so unfair. You know, black men have had votes before women. The 13th Amendment, you right. know, came before the 19th Amendment. Right. And it's just so unfair. I'm like, well, what do you want to tell you? <laughs> um, it, and to ask a black woman, who do you have an affiliation? I mean, that you have to have an affiliation between one or the other. Right. Do you have a greater affiliation for as a woman or as a black person? Do, do you understand the question? You're not talking about politically. You're just saying in general. Or you're saying both, both, political or in general, yeah. Well, it depends on the circumstance, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it really does. I was happy Obama won (laughs) for a number of reasons. I mean, there are a myriad of things that you can probably point out that I won't point out during his presidency that weren't okay or that didn't sit well with you or whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't have to Mm -hmm. agree with all of his politics. But just having... And not because he was a black, but just having someone different in office sure. mm-hmm. than what we had. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a long time of sort of the Bush regime and right. kind of the second time around. And so it was just nice to have somebody fresh and different come in yeah. and give new hope <coughs> to right. people. Yeah. I think that was very important. Mm-hmm. Even as a black woman or being part of the black community, just having that hope. Yeah. And I think... The current, well, I know the current president yeah. doesn't foster that in our people. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or in even white America a yeah. lot to of, some a degree. Lot of, right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to, you know, to paste it in, I guess, you know, black or white or whatever, because, you know, mm-hmm. all of us are, are equal. But it's it's rare, I mean, you know, to, to get a perspective, especially a political perspective from a black woman. I mean, you know, you're the first black yeah. woman that we've had here, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel it's, it's, it's very, very important. You shouldn't look to me for political perspective. I tend to be very mm, mm. silent when it comes to those things. It's one of those things. It's taboo. You don't talk about it, but you know, it shouldn't be. I'll share a little yeah. bit here, yeah. but yeah. And so, much appreciated. So with Hillary, I, I definitely was not on the Hillary bandwagon. Okay. I will say that as a woman, I was not on the Hillary bandwagon for a number of reasons. I mean, and not to say you can't blame her for whatever Bill has done, but a right. lot of things with particularly mass incarceration mm-hmm. that happened under yeah, his watch. The, the super, what do they call them? Super, super predator? predator. Yeah. yeah. And that is not issue. mentioned in the book. And like the three, all. the three strikes. Yeah. That whole thing that mm-hmm. went down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The war on drug, mm-hmm. s- war on drugs. And so, Escalation of the yeah, yeah. Works, yeah, exactly, because it started <coughs> back in Nixon. under Nixon, yeah. yeah, and then Reagan perpetuated, and then Clinton, mm-hmm. and so for those reasons, I was not for Hillary, mm-hmm. you know, and then just even seeing her how she was interacting with Black Lives Matter oh, during yeah. that time, oh, yeah, and just, that's right. Um, some of the arrogance and sort of right. blame sure. and finger pointing and that sort of thing, and so that really put me off. Yeah. Uh, about her, mm-hmm. yeah, in general. So. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally hear or you. Specifically, I should say. And I remember the early '90s. I'm sure you remember the early '90s, Norman, where crack cocaine. I mean, just took. I mean, well, I mean, I think oh. <clears throat> the drug really epidemic. I remember being in junior high school where all of a sudden you had 12 year old kids, you know, um, 
getting involved in drugs and gangland violence or whatever right. in a way that never, at least never happened in Washington, right. D.C. It was a, it was a huge time. escalation yeah. of, of things. And I remember a couple things. Once I remember a bus. I was in San Francisco. I remember a bus being stopped hmm. because somebody was doing something related to a drug deal in the middle of the street, hmm. and they stopped the bus hmm. so they could finish the <clears> transaction. Hmm. So that was weird. Wow. And then I remember visiting. I was um, the last place I stayed in San Francisco, early 90s. Um, my roommate and I were visiting with a friend, and mm-hmm. we said something about, you know, we made a joke about getting some crack. Hmm. And he said, oh, you guys live in the neighborhood. I'll go get some right now. And he ran down the street and tried to buy some crack from a couple of blocks from us. Oh. I was like, because at that point, it was joke? so... It was just, it was a weird conversation. Okay, and okay. yes, suddenly that happened. <laughs> but the fact that he could just kind of go, oh, don't you know that a couple of blocks from here is a place where you could just go yeah. on the street and do it? Yeah. I remember also doing, I mean, it wasn't really crack, but a few years after that, actually, wow. No, yeah, it was a few years after that, working with a young black man on a solo piece, on a theater piece, mm-hmm. and him going out to talk to the drug dealers at Civic Center. Hmm. Because he was like, well, these are the guys I want to come to the show. And I'm like, those guys are not going to come to the show. <laughs> if you want to go study them, uh, yeah, you go ahead. That might help you make your character more mm, real. Yeah. But again, you may as well. I mean, you really could have done a tour at that time and said, and over here on this corner are these people. And That's they right. sell this. But if you go down here, you can buy this. You right. Know? right. If you need the weed, these people sell the weed. If you need the crack, it's over here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And everybody seemed to know where all that was. Right. I mean, it was that prevalent. It was So even if you weren't involved in it, mm-hmm. you were still surrounded by it. Right. And for me, it seemed like it just happened almost all of a sudden in the 80s, in the, in right. the mid or was, early it was, 80s. Yeah. It was very strategic, though. It was mm-hmm. very placing drugs in the black communities <coughs> mm-hmm. right. and guns. Yep. It was a very strategic move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very strategic. Yeah. Yeah. And, which uh, led to that escalation that mm-hmm. we yeah. see, which led which to the police, I think, know, and the militarization of the police. Yeah, I wonder where that noise exactly. comes from. <laughs> helicopter. Oh, helicopter. Well, yeah. Speaking of which, I'm sure you know maybe police helicopter. Coming to get us. It's police, but it's probably <laughs> we're not that far from the freeway. I, I think yeah. something's happening. Yeah, but getting back to Clinton, I remember in the '90s. Although, you know, the Democrat Party was still very moderate, trying to grab that independent or even, you know, the. The they very moderate Republican. Right. They were <coughs> yeah. going beyond center. Remember Tipper Gore, you know, had, a, oh, had an attack yes. against two live crew. Remember that? Right. That's what Tipper we Gore, who was the wife We got a whole censorship, musical, music censorship thing, and that's why even today, yeah. if you look at CDs, a lot of them will have the little yeah. age things on them. Yeah, yeah, the, the uh, parental, parental guidance, uh, guidance yeah. explicit lyric yeah. label yeah. thing. Because Two Life Crew and Luke Campbell and all those yes. folks in Thank um, you, Miami. Democrats. <laughs> but that's, that was the Democrat Party back then. Mm-hmm. So I think <clears throat> Bill Clinton, to try to appease Republicans and, of course, to win right. an election at that time. Mm-hmm. And remember, there was eight years of Reagan, right. four years of Bush. Right. So he had to sort of, you know, pivot towards the center, which I think, you know, that's how the whole super, super predators and we're going right. to get these drug dealers off the street. And unfortunately, a lot of the folks who went into jail were folks who just, you know, should have been just a misdemeanor. You know, should right. have been just it's a real just simple thing. Not the, the end wrist. of their lives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's weird. You mentioned Tipper, and now I'm curious. I'm going to write it down. I'm curious to see. Are they still together? 
Did they quietly I, divorce somebody? You know, it's funny. I, I, I saw the movie in Inconvenient Sequel. Oh, yeah, Al Gore. the sequel. That's right. But yes. Tippa Gore was not mentioned at all. Well, she's not mm. mentioned. I don't think she's mentioned in the first one either. Yeah, but I mean, like, he went to, like, he. there's even a scene where he's talking to his daughter. Uh, and daughter saying, oh, dad, I love you so much and thank you and keep doing what you're doing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are pictures of the family. But I don't see, I mean, not that Tipper was excluded, but he I, could I, have I'll, be her in. I'll be curious to look. Yeah. I think it would have been big news if they got divorced. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. We'll ask Siri or we'll ask uh, <laughs> Google or something <laughs> like that. Um, I want to shift a little bit because yes. when you talked about the helicopter thing, it made me think. We're also not that far from the lake. That's right. And you live near the lake. I do. Do the <clears> – we rode by – this is about a week or a week and a half ago. My wife and I went downtown for something, and then we were riding back. There was a bike party at the bottom of the lake, that whole grass, that area that they made all nice. Oh. And there was a big bike party, M- music booming, this large thing over by the water, that grass, all that grass just past the courthouse. Motorcycles or? No, no, no. Bicycles. Um, And they have lights in their spokes or they have them decorated with lights. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah. There were a lot of them and Mm -hmm. they were riding up and down the steps. Hmm. There was a big crowd of people. We didn't get off our bikes. We just stayed next to the roadside and kind of looked for a few minutes. Um, And I think about this just because when we talk about this stuff, what happened at one point was a cop roll. Oh, they started blowing up fireworks. Mm. They started just, you know, little little bottle rocket things. Yeah. And the cop was on the far side of the street over by, um, you know, he's on the right headed headed east. So he was over by the uh, Henry J. Kaiser. He's on that part of the road. So he was really distant from all this. But he stops, puts on his loudspeaker and says, cut that shit out. Those fireworks, cut that shit out. Hmm. And then he, and then he just the light changes and he just goes. He's not even worried about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And it really was like, had to be a couple hundred people. Yeah. Just there, ready to party, having a good time. We're in this era now where there's all that kind of activity and energy <clears throat> in the streets. Like mm-hmm. we are in the streets, yeah. and you know, whatever. If Hillary had and it sounds like it's like, good energy. It's not like it's bad a, energy. It was really great energy. Yeah. Well, and, but the flip side is we also got all the protests and stuff. Yeah. If Hillary had been elected, mm-hmm. we would have the protests mm-hmm. because the right would be out. <laughs> the white supremacists yeah. would be out. Yeah. They would be mm-hmm. in the streets. Yeah. And I guess some of us would be out saying, no, 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 we have to fight against that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be to the extent it is now, but it's not all just that. It's not... Like even with the protest, you know, they want to say the violence and Black Lives Matter, they're so bad. They're a terrorist organization. Seriously? No. But the KKK There's, is not. Right. right. But, they, but they're, they're, they're not sure. Oh, it doesn't really exist. We're just <laughs> inflating that. That's what's happening. Yeah. But no, I love that the energy is in the street. People yeah. are in the street for any number of reasons yeah. right now. Yeah. And yeah. families, you go to a protest, mm-hmm. there will be families, people yeah. with their kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's this amazing time. I don't – I'm sure it would not be the same thing had Hillary gotten elected. And what I want to point to with all mm-hmm. that is if Hillary had gotten elected, it's not like these people that mm-hmm. we are so worried about now yeah. would not exist. They would have still existed. Yeah. Absolutely. And they would have been out in the streets because they were so mad. Yeah. That election got them all riled up. They were not going to go back quietly under their dark yeah. rocks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But there's just this amazing energy. So mm-hmm. it makes me think of things like I talked to my stepfather the other day, and he was talking about how Watts, after the Watts riot, oh. they did the expo, the summer yeah. expo for years, and mm-hmm. we went. Yeah. And my stepfather is tall, white man. Yeah. Walking with a tall white man <laughs> through the Watts Expo is a little weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was just so happy to be there, and mm-hmm. we, of course, wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. That sort of energy, I feel like that's what we're in. We're in this period now where people mm-hmm. are active, but they're also sort of owning yeah. public space in a way that hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah, well, I, I definitely believe that Trump's election galvanized something. There were always people out there. Yeah. You know, doing the work, and but there have been some people who have probably been a little bit silent or not aware, or sort of like, oh, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taking more of a hands-on approach and really pushing up their sleeves and getting out there in the street and, right. and doing things, or yeah. making those phone calls. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think he activated our activism sure. for, yeah. the, the, for nothing, those who weren't. Yeah, yeah. nothing active. motivates. Un- it's in a saddest thing. Nothing motivates politics or people to in- be emboldened than fear or being upset or angry. Mm-hmm. Because right. love and joy, although it's a wonderful thing, is a passive thing. Right. Like mm-hmm. you know, when Obama was elected. What's there to protest if you're, you know, left winger? Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, everything's great. Now, of course, I have friends like who are progressives who are like, you know, Obama didn't do enough and mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Oh, I'm on that list. <laughs> but, I don't, yeah. but, I, yeah. but I don't blame him for a lot of it at the time. I sure. Did. When we went, when he went, when he started his thing with a Democratic legislature, mm-hmm. right, and wasted two years trying to reach across the aisle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you hear what they said day one, Mister? Don't worry about them people. They right. already told you who That's they right. are and what they're going to be. Yeah. Move on. And you got to push those things in before the midterm elections when, you know, things turn right. over. But that's strategic. Right. The fact that he did what he did yeah. was maybe a little naive, but who knew that they would be as as just evil, as bad <laughs> as they yeah. proved themselves to be? Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that. So I can't blame him for that. I don't blame him for any of that. Yeah. And perhaps he himself really, really thought that he could because that's what he campaigned on. Right. right. That he can change Washington politics yes, and can. just yeah. reach across you know, the aisle. <clears throat> that, you know, that people would have a conscience or, you know, right. the, uh, the members of Congress would have a conscience. But, you know, members of Congress, they've got people at home mm-hmm. who really don't give a damn. Right. And, they, and, and it doesn't matter what yeah. their oath of office was right. yeah. to uphold the Constitution. Yeah. They suddenly they, just became obstructed. And, and they may have a conscience, but they're like, listen, I could have a conscience and vote your way, but I'm, I'm going to get kicked out of office, so mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, and, that's, and that's where we're at now. Yeah. <laughs> they're once again trying to kill Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and their biggest motivator In is next year I got an election coming up. Right. Yeah. So let me at least make some noise so that I can make my constituents happy mm-hmm. or whatever. Even if it fails, uh, you know, right. they, they can say, hey, last, I tried. The right. last vote they said that. I don't want this to pass. Well, then why are you voting for it? Oh, my God. Right. right. But, you know, you, you know that there's going to be a little bit of lip service, and then there's the actual vote. Um, it's, 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 it's like theater. I mean, it really is a theater of life. Much, it, it, yeah. It's like kabuki theater. <laughs> And it's it's make sad. And one of the bad things about all of the Trump hysteronics and the texting mm-hmm. and I mean, like even him texting about Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I think he texted hitting a golf ball off Hillary's head. Did right. you hear about that? Yeah, Twitter, somebody created Twitter. 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 That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Texting. 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 Twittering. That's what I meant. He tweeted. But uh, 
these things distract <laughs> the real guy. issues that are going on. I mean, there are still yeah. federal court judges that are not have not been hired. Or FEMA. Of the Justice Department. Right. We don't FEMA. have a head of FEMA. Right. Right. At a time where we have almost two hurricanes and a third coming. Or ambassadors. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's Nikki Haley, but I don't know how, 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 you know, what she's doing. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I still am very optimistic. Usually we will turn (laughs) things around. I just think, you know, politically, and I really do believe that America is, despite what's going on, is very liberal. I I just think that the internet and, you know, people from different races and different Mm -hmm. cultures are talking. Now, of course, the louder heads are the, Mm -hmm. the racists and, and the alt-right and all of that stuff. But um, I, I'd be hard-pressed if, if Trump wins a re-election. Um, like I said, I'm we very gotta, optimistic. we got to see what happens. Yeah, we got to see what happens. Okay. We're and not even a year in up. yet, so. Well, look at the mistakes he's making. Yeah. I, I kind of enjoy all the mistakes that Trump is making. It's like, good, kindling to the fire. I hope. Let's, let's, I hope. You know. let's see. Yeah. So let's, let's have an we order. Gotta go, we got to get out there and vote. That's the right. important thing. Well, that's the thing. Well, now we're motivated to doing it. Yeah. We weren't really motivated. You know, we were like, oh, Obama, Obama. And that's we'll one of the ways or the principal way that we can affect change politically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Get people in those seats that mm-hmm. we support their agendas. That, right. That's And exactly they support right. ours. Right. Yeah. And it's very easy in California. I do wonder about those other states where there may be a strong majority, not even a black majority, but just a Democratic majority. But because of gerrymandering, right. they <laughs> still are are um, are disenfranchised. Right. And well, that's a whole different conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's have an origin story. What got you into theater, Andrew? Ooh. Childhood dream deferred. Uh, I don't know if it's deferred. It Well, it was at the time. Okay. And... Even though I would push it, what mm-hmm. you're going to ask me something? No, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. But where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Brooklyn. I Brooklyn, grew up New in York. Yes, right on. You know, I lived in Brooklyn for two years. BK. Yeah. yeah, go for it. <laughs> and I grew up in Queens, mm-hmm. Queens Village specifically, and it was a childhood dream, and I never pursued it because I figured, you know, I had to make sure that I could take care of myself, get mm-hmm. an education so I could get a stable job. I played it safe okay. for a very long time. and then Were you an only child? Did you have siblings? Do you no, have siblings? I have siblings. Okay. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Got it. Mm-hmm. So you're the middle child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> you're the most mature. They're, now remember, they're, they're listening. They're, they may listen to this. <laughs> Ooh, my sister would kill That's okay. Me. We'll get commentary. <laughs> so you didn't do any theater when you were young? I didn't do any theater. So what my parents did have me enrolled in was piano lessons and dance. Mm. And I wanted to sing. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sing and dance. I mm-hmm. didn't want to play the piano. Mm-hmm. And my parents wouldn't let up. They're like, no, you're playing the piano. Mm. And I remember I was able to take voice lessons, like, maybe for one or two summers. Mm. I was able to go ahead and take because I we went to parochial school so I'm pretty sure there were a lot of <coughs> bills and things to pay for yeah. my brother played the guitar and took karate so you know mortgage bills parochial school everything I couldn't get everything I wanted and so I could yeah. do the voice lessons during the summers and I did that I think for two summers okay and so yeah I never and I did that up until I was a teenager 
so yeah, no acting, no acting until I actually came to the Bay and started doing it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so not even a high school musical. I was never in the high school musical. It's kind of funny. I was talking to a high school friend today who was an actor, and just we hadn't spoken in a very long time, mm-hmm. and we were just catching up, and I was telling him, he was like, what are you up to? And I was telling him, and he was like, just shocked and very amazed at all the stuff that I was doing. Hmm. He was the actor, and he doesn't even act now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, we've kind of switched places. Yeah. That is amazing because obviously we've had tons of guests, and they tell us, you know, like their training, acting training, and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But y- it, it sounds like you've had a dream within you all through, let's say, you know, your young adulthood, and but you still, what, what, was, it, what was it inside of you that said, I want to do this, I, or, or you wanted to be an actress? Yeah, what, what back, back at you got what got you back to it? Yeah, to actually doing it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I had a panic attack one day in my apartment. In um, what year was that? That was 2010. Hmm. I was getting ready for work, and I had like an anxiety attack or something. And mm-hmm. the only thing I could think about was acting. Hmm. In that very moment, it was the very the strangest thing that happened to me. And as I was talking myself through a breathing exercise, a voice said, call Roy. And Roy was an actor that I met maybe three months prior. Is this here in the Bay Area? It was here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. This happened Do here in the Roy? Bay. Do you know Roy? Because you know everyone, Norman. <laughs> Go ahead. Roy is actually in New York now. He's uh-huh. a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and actor. And so I ended up calling him and how I met him. I- I'm not going to say happen chance because – happenstance, sorry. Mm-hmm. Because everything happens – for a reason, mm-hmm. but how I met him is just like the craziest thing. I'm like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, the universe was like, this is going to happen now. Like, no. you yeah. are going to act. Like, yeah. Yeah. you keep running from this thing. Yeah. And so I called him, and I remember he picked up the phone, and I was like, can I speak to Roy? And he was like, this is Roy. How can I help you? I'm like, this is Andrew. I don't know if you remember me. Like, I was frantic. Yeah. And he was like, what can I do for you, Andrew? And I was like, I want to be an actor, and I need a mentor. And he, like, just talked to me for about, like, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, told me what to do. And Mm -hmm. I started taking classes and took classes for about a year and a half before I started doing, like, short film. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. took classes for a whole another year after that before I got my first theater gig. Now, you say classes where? I was doing Studio ACT. Okay. In the city. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Who were your sort of teachers and what sort of techniques did did you learn? Because, you know, we've talked about, like, right. method acting and Meisner and, and other, other things. And it may not be any techniques that you that you know, but just just do they just talk about the basics, like beats and... Yeah, sort of the basics. Okay. I, I mean, they've probably been trained in some of that, the technique, but we never focused on one particular technique. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you said you did film work. What type of film work? Short films. I did a few short films. What did I do? My first short film, which is like, when I look back at it, I'm like, that is awful. No. <laughs> awful. We, we but I did I did yeah. the parking lot. That was my first, mm-hmm. that was my first thing ever, mm-hmm. uh, acting. I've done, what did I do? I did, um, I was a social worker in Where the Socks Go. That was pretty cool. It went mm-hmm. to a few film festivals out here. Mm-hmm. There was also another one I did that went to a few film festivals. It was Straight Jacket. Mm-hmm. But they're all short films. Okay. Mm-hmm. And but it's stuff that you can put on your resume. And yes. And you have the clips, the, uh, the MP4 files or whatever. Yeah. Fantastic. Those, those are fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, n- now, we did 110 in the Shape. Was that your first theater production? No. Okay. So the first one I did was 
a play called named titled sorry Fort and Brass by Lee Blessing mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. a farce on Hamlet on sorry Shakespeare's Hamlet mm-hmm. where all of the individuals who died in Hamlet come back as ghosts mm. to sort of haunt the new king uh-huh. Fort and Brass mm-hmm. and the play opens at the end of Hamlet where Hamlet is begging Horatio to tell the truth about how everybody in the kingdom died. Mm. And so that's where it opens. And throughout the play, Horatio is just <coughs> pleading with Fortinbras to tell the truth. And mm. Fortinbras wants to concoct, you know, stories out of his imagination and just all these mm-hmm. things. And so that was sort of Horatio's quest. And I played Horatio. Mm, and then I got nice. to kill oh. Fortin Brass. <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, how how was the audition? I mean, for someone, I mean, I've been sort of auditioning since 17, 16. I mean, uh, same thing for you, Norman. I mean, did you do auditioning when you were, Did you, you did acting when you were in high school, right? Um, I did in high school. Our teachers sort of just picked, said, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. They oh, had, okay. They did have some auditions. <clears throat> Because I remember in high school, you know, they said, hey, you got to learn a monologue, a two-minute monologue, and mm-hmm. you're going to get in front of a, you know, group of people. Well, you were at a performing arts school. So. Well, yeah. But, I mean, we've had that training. So mm-hmm. how was that for you? Because you've had to um, just, I guess, the first – I mean, were you nervous or whatever? I mean, uh, for someone to to not have gone through, let's say, college or, or that sort of stuff, I mean, how, how was just getting into – the theater realm, like getting in front of folks and saying, hello, I'm Anju, and the monologue I'm going to do is such and such by such and such, and I'm playing such and such, and boom. The first <coughs> few times doing it, I hated it. I I mean, not that I love it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still, It still can be nerve-wracking, and sometimes it's not. But, yeah, my first few times, I hated it. And like I said, so it took me a whole year after I started doing short films to get a theater gig because – I was either not going mm-hmm. or when I went, I didn't get it, mm, uh, yeah. you know? And so, I mean, that still happens where you don't get it, but I don't let that discourage me. I'm like, I'm going. Yeah. Whether I get and it And we've or talked not. about rejection and, yeah. and, and that oh sort of stuff gosh. in another thing. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, that's not really talked about, but you sort of just have to. You know, <laughs> right. Everybody it. ends up sort of sucking it up on their own and trying to figure out how to deal with it, which mm-hmm. is a shame. My first time, I remember I went, it may have been my first audition or it was for a film project. And I remember the he had me reading with various people and I was excited. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this. I'm in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I got the phone call, which I'm like, why did you call me? Mm. You, just, you should have just emailed me. And I got a phone call saying that I didn't get it, mm-hmm. and I was crushed. And this is probably, like, my first, maybe third time going on an audition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I was just, at, I had never gone through this process before. Yeah. And so I remember calling my brother, and I was like, bro, mm. I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was really a mess. And he was like, you can't just quit. He was like, just because one person said no. Like, you have to get go back out there mm-hmm. and keep doing this. And I was like, no. <clears throat> Because it was that devastating, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and so I, I'm not sure how much time went by. Maybe a week. I'm really one of those. 
I can pick myself up yeah. type of individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did just that. And I remember calling my brother and I said, yeah, brother, it doesn't matter how many say no, but the one who says yes right. is going to be the one that's meant for me. You know, that type of thing. Good. And he was like, that's my girl. Well, that's my girl. Right on. <laughs> and, you know, we need, we need people in our corner. Just, you know, just keep on hitting it. Yeah. Got to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what type of, um, you know, you've, Every, you know, everyone who gets into theater, they, they, there's something that they want to express or they want to convey. Um, you know, like there are certain roles that I don't really want to do because it's it's not the type of role or it's not the type of play that really speaks to me. There have been times like uh, I was involved with a theater company and it got to a point where they weren't doing the productions that I wanted to do. So I basically said, OK, I got to go. Mm-hmm. What do you want to convey? I mean, uh, do you because it's not just you wanting to be an actress, but you want to express a part of yourself um, to the world. I know, I know, it's a very abstract question, but can you? Th- are there certain things that you really want to convey to express to let the, let everyone know this is what I'm all about? Hmm. I, I don't, I'm not really sure how to answer that because I write, mm-hmm. uh, and so oh, you're a writer too. Cool. Kinda, and I do poetry, so yeah. I feel like if there's something that I I want to convey, I would really do that through my writing, yeah, and or my poetry, yeah. But I'm sure there's there are certain I plays that there are certain know. plays or roles that you just would not do because it's just not a part of you. You know what? So earlier this <coughs> year, I was cast as a prostitute, mm. and so. A prostitute is like a role that I was. I would probably say, I'm not going to do that role. Mm-hmm. You know, but it really depends on the story. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I did this particular play because, first of all, it was written by an African-American playwright, Lynn Nottage. Okay. Uh-huh. Intimate Apparel. And it's oh, just yeah. such a rich mm-hmm. and complex and beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful story. What, what company did was it? Was it Town Hall? Benicia, but yeah, Benicia. Old Town Theater yeah. Group. Yeah. Okay. And once I started read, I read, the, I got my hands on the script and I read the play. I was like, "This is beautiful." And every day I found more and more beautiful things mm-hmm. about this prostitute. Right. You know. Yeah. And so I could say there are a number <laughs> of roles that I probably wouldn't play or want to do. Mm-hmm. But then, what is the story? Right. You know, what is the story? And it's within that story that I can find and say, okay, this is what I want to convey to people. Right. You know, because even so, this particular character, Mamie, Mm -hmm. not only is she a lady of the night, but she ends up getting together with her best friend's husband. Mm. And so it's so easy, Mm -hmm. you know, to judge this Mm -hmm. woman. And whatever, and then once you start getting to her story and then her monologues and you start really delving into this character, you're like, wow. And so that's one of the things I appreciate about Lynn Nottage. I was not familiar with her work before, but she writes about real people in a real way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really profound to me. So I think for me acting, if I'm, if I'm going to do something, it's not so much this is a character that I don't want to play, but it's like, Okay, this is a character. Maybe I wouldn't play this character, but what what what's behind this character? Mm-hmm. What what is the story, and is there some meat there, and something juicy and interesting that I can sink my artistic 
teeth into right. uh-huh. that right. will make me fall in love with this character or just understand mm-hmm. us, humanity, better, right. you know, and humanize yeah. this character. Yeah. Do, are you so familiar with the, the, the company? Uh, the um, I am. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm on their list of – I keep interviewing to direct, and this year I couldn't <laughs> even interview. Uh-huh. Um, but um, Intimate Apparel I had – that was, you know, last season, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, we did that. <coughs> we closed Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, yeah, so I did the interview like a year before yeah. that. And I said I, – I talked to you about it. I was like, yeah, I – it's it's a gorgeous piece. It's an amazing play. Mm-hmm. You really should think about finding a woman <laughs> to direct this. I I'd be happy to direct it. I think there's something in here that might benefit from making sure that you have that female perspective. And, you know, if I directed something like that, I'd be making sure that my conversations with my you know with my actors and mm-hmm. hopefully female stage manager, women in the room, the producers, whoever. You know, talk to me. Make sure that I'm not missing something that's important about this. Make mm-hmm. sure that that this is everything that it needs to be. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so um, I was actually, you know, talking about we. So the way we met was through Each One Reach One, and Anju was one of our newer mentors, and I was leading the program. We go into juvie and we do this playwriting program. Mm-hmm. Um. And it kind of leads into a different question, which I, I'm thinking is worth asking people, which is basically, what is your day job? What is it that you feel like you do that allows you in the Bay Area theater scene to do the theater that you want to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're asking me that I'm now? Asking you okay, that. <laughs> no, because I know we talked about it, so I thought you were just yeah. sort of recapping on our conversation. So, prior to a month ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was employed. In, in the finance industry, and I've been in finance for forever. That's what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. I'm formally educated I in management studies with a concentration in financial management. Mm-hmm. And so that has been my livelihood, and that's what sustained me and has enabled me to be able to do theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that the question? Did well, I answer? Yeah, that was. No, that's <laughs> but I'm not employed now. I, I quit my job. And <laughs> wow. And so did that – is that part of the decision to think about moving on? Yes. And so, yeah, you know, it's like I was doing theater, and I can honestly say, like, once I started doing theater, things started getting better at work. Mm-hmm. Like, I was less stressed at work, and mm-hmm. I sort of had an outlet. Yeah. And I think that makes sense because I've always had that, like as a child, the dance and the piano and the singing, like mm-hmm. I've always had that. And when I didn't have that, I had poetry. I got introduced right. to poetry mm-hmm. when I was in the seventh grade. So I had that. Yeah. I always had something creative yeah. to keep me. Yeah. And so I didn't even know that I needed acting in my life, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, uh, yeah, so these past few, four years I've been doing that and I was just trying to find a way to do more of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I started researching and found, came across a teaching artist residency program in New York that I applied for, mm-hmm. and they accepted me. Awesome. And I was like, Congratulations. okay. <laughs> I guess I'm going to New York. And mm-hmm. so I resigned, and mm-hmm. I'll be moving next month. So n- New York City? 
Yes, the organization is based in New York City, but the residencies can be in any of the public schools in any of the five boroughs. Okay. Awesome. So great. You're going back home. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will you be going back to uh, your parents? To my or? roots. To your parents' no. place. Okay. I have to find a place and kind of figure all that out, which yeah. is what I'm doing now. And I'm thinking about gentrification. I mean, if things are bad yeah. in San Francisco, I imagine it's really bad in New York. It, <laughs> it's bad. And the few cousins that I have there are telling me, they're like, girl, how much do you think you, you know, what's your budget? And, you know, that kind of thing. But I, um, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful that I'll find something and that things will fall into place Yeah, for me. It's a wonderful thing for people. You know, I meet up with so many of my friends, friends and just people my age who say, I just give up. I'm not, you know, I had dreams, but I got to, you know, I got to duff into reality mm-hmm. and they just throw it all away. And they're like, listen, I'm in the finance. Like, you know, you talk about you being in the finance thing. When I first worked for the district attorney's office, I worked in the finance office for three years. I don't know why they put me in there because I have no, no training at all okay. in there at all. But I know how to work an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always wanted something to sustain the things that I really, really love to do, uh-huh. which is theater yeah. and acting and, and, and performing and that yeah. sort of stuff. And so I totally uh, understand where you're coming from, Anju, as far as I need. And I talk about this with my dad all the time, who's mm-hmm. a singer. Right. And we're like, if we didn't have art, if we didn't have something that we can express ourselves through, we'd be dead already. I mean, we'd be <laughs> just because uh, it's, it's a horrible thing to just, you know, do your nine to five and then just come home and and do nothing or you know a lot of folks get into sports or mm-hmm. um, other things legal or illegal and um, there's something fantastic about creating something that connects with someone else right and uh, that's that's a wonderful thing I want to talk about your poetry do you do open mic or and I know your your moniker on Facebook is poetess yes Anju yeah Hippolyte yes <laughs> sometimes I do open, open mic, mic. Uh-huh. so I was writing for a very long time before I even stepped in front of a microphone to even share my poetry with the world. Mm-hmm. I'm very shy, and people don't think so because they're like, oh, you're so outgoing, and then I'm like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And my poetry is like, my poetry is very, it's like stuff from my heart. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. if you want to know who I am, read my poetry or have me share my poetry with you. Yeah. But when I was back east, I was living in Massachusetts right before I moved out here, and so I was on a monthly bill mm-hmm. with some o- other poets and was every month on a monthly bill sort of doing poetry Okay, for a year before I moved out here. When you say monthly bill, you're talking about you performed monthly or? Yeah, okay, I performed yeah. monthly cool. for about a year before I moved out here. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved out here, uh, a friend took me to Air Lounge. It's now closed, but mm-hmm. they used to do mm-hmm. mouth off Wednesdays there. Mm-hmm water cornbread used to run that and so when i found that i was like oh my god i'm home right right and so i performed there like a couple of times and then performed a couple other spots but it's not something that i really want to do yeah like oh let me do my poetry like i'm not okay like that but i am actually going to be performing this coming tuesday we'll plug you yeah um at au lounge and then i'll actually be on the radio the last saturday of the month with a brilliant brilliant poet Uh in the bay area i don't know if you if any if you two know him but tango 
Eisen Martin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll be sharing radio space with him on Saturday the thirtieth. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and we, yeah, we'll and we'll uh, put a little uh, we on our little podcast uh, web page on SoundCloud. We can have a link. Okay. To uh, what you're doing on Tuesday. That's fantastic. Cool. Have you thought about being published? I mean, I'm sure you have a wealth of stuff. You know, I think about it, and I'm like, mm, I don't know. I'm actually a freelance editor, too, uh-huh. and I've edited poetry for people mm-hmm. who are published. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. one day. <laughs> be a wonderful thing. I mean, you know, let's say 20, 30 years from now, your kids can say, wow, you know, mom wrote this. Yeah, I just... I'm like, my stuff is okay. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm like, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. You're, you're, you're creating it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we'll it's, see. It's something to think about, yeah. Well, and I think you're in an interesting, unique position. Um, in Bay Area theater, it often happens that somebody gets involved and really feels comfortable with what they're doing. They're happy to be out there. Their career is starting to take off, and they move to New York or they move to L.A., but they do it with that sense of I'm going to take my acting to the next level. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's what you're saying. That's that's where you're going with it. It sounds like you're really interested in stepping into this role as teaching artist. Yeah, and I definitely want to act as well, but I don't want to be delusional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. About Because it's competitive in the Bay Area. You know, it's competitive. I haven't been able to break into any of the SF playhouses Mm -hmm. you know i've been doing a lot of local stuff which is good stuff like you know and i've gotten to work with a lot of brilliant and talented people great directors beautiful cast members i've I've really been blessed Mm -hmm. to find people who are just you know good people no chip on their shoulder no arrogance that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so i'm not here to kid myself like i'm gonna go to new york and i'm gonna be on broadway would that be amazing and great (laughs) absolutely right but you know Will I try? Absolutely. Good. I'm not going to oh, not good, good, good. try. Because there's a lot of good off-Broadway or off-Broadway yeah. in New York. Yeah. Well, so. but it's the also, there's a lot of things that don't, that aren't the beaten path. There are a right. lot of things that are off the beaten path. Right. That, mm-hmm. I mean, Hamilton yeah. was crazy. You know, David Diggs was couch surfing, supposedly, mm-hmm. in New York when that project came together right is that right yeah, that's yeah. that's the story i heard yeah and i know that because he came out of the bay area he's a berkeley high grad i think mm-hmm. and uh he was bouncing around here trying to find stuff and bouncing out of town when he could find a project that would take him to that next level mm-hmm. so it's always amazing to me because i wish i think of the bay area theater scene as sort of like a compost heap if you've ever seen a good compost heap a good compost heap will suddenly just grow. It will become green, and all this stuff is growing up out of it, and then it sort of chokes itself mm. and dies back, and then another layer, mm-hmm. it grows again. Yeah. So you watch these amazing spurts of creativity happening. And, um, and I keep trying to – I think the company was called the Revolutionary Theater Company. There was a three Asian-American guys, started the theater company, did one show, mm-hmm. and two of them bounced and went to, New, uh, went to L.A., and the other one, a few months later, moved and went to L.A. And, you know, that was it. It was like they sank out of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never heard anything about any of them again after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've seen that sort of thing. You also see the people who go, and then they come back. Because there was something here that worked for them. Something mm-hmm. here where they had some <coughs> kind of sense yeah. of roots. Yeah. But, it, but it's wonderful to have the Bay Area as a foundation 
I don't think people give mm -hmm. enough credit to yeah. that. Yeah. There are creative yeah. things that happen. Absolutely. I mean, I was going to say, as a woman of color, the, what are the sorts of opportunities that you feel like you've been offered here that, you know, that made you feel like, wow, I can really express? Um, I feel, well, I know a lot of other women, mm -hmm. black women, so I don't, there is, definitely is competition. Right. But what I do like about the Bay Area is there is a lot of great artistic, creative things happening in the Bay. Mm -hmm. And you can even create your own because there are so many talented people here. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so this is a place that has become, like I said, I didn't, I didn't move here to act. I moved here because I found work. And right. it was like, yep. okay, I get to get away Same from the cold. Me. Same with me. You know, mm -hmm. I can get away from the cold. I can get away from the snow somewhere right. different. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to come over here for like two or three years. Yeah. Right. And three years in, I was like, I wasn't loving it, but I was like, you have to give it a chance. Like, right. mm -hmm. you know, and so I did and I stayed. And then, you know, five years later, I'm acting. Right. And yeah. that was not the objective. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it is a great place mm -hmm. to create mm -hmm. and I hope that once I go there to New York, everybody's like, you're not going to come back. And I may not, but there are definitely people that I've connected with here mm -hmm. that I would definitely like to come back and do work with yeah. or, or have them come to me or right. us mm -hmm. go elsewhere. Yeah. Because there's work that I want to do in Haiti. Like my parents are Haitian uh -huh. and there's work that I want to do there. Yeah. Right. Like I have a lot of production ideas yeah. ruminating in my mind and yeah. things I want to create. And I'm like, once I get this training, mm -hmm. It's just going to give me more tools in my arsenal to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. And that's sort of how I'm looking at it. And I worry about Haiti because uh, the Dominican Republic, well, you've heard about the latest hurricane. I forget yeah. what it's called. Jose. Maria. Maria, yeah. Oh, right. And there's no power in right. um, in the Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yeah. But the Dominican's getting hit. And, of course, Haiti is right next to yeah. the Dominican yeah. Republic. Yeah. I, have, I have a couple of friends. I, I When I went to NYU, the next two years uh, I lived in um, in Brooklyn mm -hmm. on um, what is it um, St. John's Place mm -hmm. and uh, I even had a Haitian girlfriend <laughs> on Classen Avenue uh, in the rough rough side of town I can oh. tell you all sorts of stories about uh, taking the subway mm -hmm. at one in the morning to take her home in the housing projects and then <laughs> almost like the Warriors movie right Heading back home and not getting my butt kicked. <laughs> right. Mm. But, uh, hey, the things you do in the name of love. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, that that's, you know, and it's it's funny. I came here in the Bay Area having no idea that there was a theater scene here. Right. But I just had a little bit of, you know, of, of course, I, I was a writer. I was a music writer. Mm -hmm. And um, although I went to school for theater, I had no resume whatsoever because I jumped right into the day job and, you know. Right was living the Dilbert life for, you know, mm -hmm. for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, one person has a post up, you know, it's like one person has like a little idea. Right. And they just need a couple of folks to believe in their idea. Yep. You hook up with those folks and you're like, well, I'll just hang out with these folks for a little bit. Yeah. And you create and then you build up your own foundation, mm -hmm. whatever you're doing and get people get to know you. And then you start growing. It's, it really is like that compost analogy that you have. Yeah. And then. All of a sudden, I'm doing other things, and then I get a phone call. Hey, I hear you're an actor, and then you can sing, too. Well, I've got a project, and right. all of a sudden, you know, and and look at me now. You know, this year has been the perfect example where I had a couple of songs that I had written 
years and years ago, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I hook up with a uh, a company that does musicals, and right. I'm like, ah, let me let me write something real quick, and then boom. So and and that's a wonderful thing, and that's a Bay Area story that, that can happen great. to anyone. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and and it's really really awesome. Yeah, I love. I see it on the individual level, mm-hmm. and I want to find ways to encourage the culture to acknowledge that as an identity, to actually embrace it as an identity, and say, "This is what we do," because it's not just mm-hmm. all these individual people doing their little projects. Yeah, you're right. They reach out. You meet somebody, or you call. Mm-hmm. I got a message today. I mean, hopefully by the next podcast, I can tell you whether or not I'm doing this reading. Yeah. Well, immediately after our last podcast, it. you got a phone call and got a got, got a gig. Well, yeah. Um, but this this would be another uh, theater piece, a reading okay. for a new play. Yeah. And I love. And the person that connects us, Alan Quismorio. Hey, right on. Connected, you know. Uh, Is it a Bendelstiff thing? Yeah, I don't know. If it, I don't know. I'll, I'll get details. Okay. I will have details next time. I, I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> well, I either I can or I can't. I, yeah. I, I just got my Hamlet thing. So once I look at the Hamlet rehearsals, then I'll know whether or not I can do this. Got it. I hear and you. And if I can do it, I'd love to do it. And it'll be fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, Yay. Um, but it was that connection, mm-hmm. and Alan and I. Good, we did a show together. Matter of fact, you hooked decade. me up with Al- Alan Q. I think you oh. hooked, you hooked me up with Alan Q. That's how I got involved in Bendelstiff. Ah, because they needed a black actor. They needed a Charles Mingus. I I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. but those connections are yeah. not just individual, and that's what if it's some way to raise that awareness so that we actually embrace it as a this is part of our culture. Yeah, because it seems to be, and that's the difference between something that is. More than mm-hmm. a compost heap. Yeah, a compost heap rarely grows anything useful. It is the material right. that useful things that can help to nurture those useful things. Right. So if we can take it to that next level, mm-hmm. I would love to see that. I would love to be part of this little era in Bay Area theater mm-hmm. where we're not just doing amazing things spread out all over the place, but right. we're actually connecting up more. Yeah. One last question before we get into shoutouts because we're hit- hitting almost. No, we're past the one-hour mark, yeah, which is, yeah. great things happen when you, I mean, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Is there anything pushing you out of the Bay Area? I know that you, you know, you applied and you got accepted um, to the writing thing in New York. Let's say that didn't happen at all. Would, was there something in you that's, did anything push you away from, from um, the Bay Area? I mean, we talk about how the wonderful things are, but are there other things? Like, let's say gentrification, or let's say competition or let's say there's just not enough um, opportunities for for uh, a black woman Mm, let's see gentrification definitely did not push me out if anything that's like this is why i'm staying (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah control right yeah yeah, i hear you if anything it's like i'm gonna stay because Mm -hmm. yeah and um no i i wouldn't say anything okay i've really come to find Oakland to be home yeah Mm -hmm. in a way that I can't say that about like I've lived in Massachusetts longer than I lived in Oakland and I can't I wouldn't call that home it's home because I have family there in a sense but in my heart in my heart to heart like this is where I started acting so it's like yeah this will always hold Mm -hmm. a a special place in my heart cool whether I come back or not yeah Mm -hmm. I totally hear you no I spent a moment in in Boston and Got you know I had a very very it was a very very isolating feeling. I mean I know that you know they there there are cultures there that have existed long before the United States was even born. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know it's 
I don't want to get into a racial thing, but as a black man, I didn't feel very, very welcome there. It can be a cold place. Yeah. Had you, uh, yeah, in more ways than one. Have you (laughs) spent time in Boston or or in Massachusetts? Barely. I passed through Boston. It was so funny. I I got out of the Army. Mm -hmm. I didn't have enough money to get a ticket to Boston. I was heading up to Boston to look up some high school friends and uh, ended up walking Mm -hmm. in Connecticut. Apparently, it's illegal to hitchhike. It's not illegal to walk on the highway, but it is illegal to hitchhike. Mm-hmm. So I had a state trooper talk, stop and tell me that, and then spend the rest of his shift driving back and forth past me to make sure <laughs> that I was not hitchhiking. Why didn't he offer you a ride? <laughs> I, that's what I thought. You know, you could help. If you want me out of here, you could help that, but he didn't. So I get into Massachusetts. You, like, walk, you walk from Connecticut to Massachusetts? I don't remember where my ticket was in Connecticut, but I got off. I got on the highway, and I started walking. Wow. And I just got out of the Army, so, you know, it was just a march. I was going to march. I get into Boston. Determined. Yeah. And uh, I'm not Boston. I get into Massachusetts. Yeah. Black guy picks me up. I I got picked up by another guy before that, but, you know, that was one of those little hitchhiking nightmares that fortunately was over real quick. Yeah. You know, I wasn't interested. He was... Trying to find out if something else was going to happen. And suddenly he's like, well, I'm just going a little bit further down the road. As soon as he found out, I was like, yeah, I just want to ride. That's all I'm here for. Yeah. Oh, boy. Next guy that picks me up is a black guy. Yeah. And a young white guy comes running towards us. Yeah. And he's like, oh, God damn. And he's like, oh, can I get a ride too? Yeah. So he says, okay. <laughs> so he jumps in. He asked me where I was going. I said, I'm going to Boston. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, no problem. This other guy jumps in. He says, where are you going? He says, wherever it is he's going. He's like, well, I can get you up another mile or so towards where you're going. Mm-hmm. He gets out of the car. He's like, stupid white boy. Now, when you get to Boston, don't go here, don't go here, and don't go here. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was a young man thinking, that is one of the most racist things anybody has ever said to me. But when I got to Boston, I did. I, and it was before um, interstate banking was happening. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting for an out-of-state check to clear mm-hmm. before I could get out of Boston. This is the early 80s? This was, yeah, early 80s. Okay. Mm. So I was walking around Boston every day mm-hmm. just looking. Um, the friends, I saw the friends, and they let me. I crashed on their floor, and they, they fed me, thank mm-hmm. God. <laughs> and I walked around broke. Looking at Boston. Mm. So I walked through the Italian neighborhood. And I walked Mm. through the Irish neighborhood. Mm. And every time it looked like something out of a Spielberg movie. All these kids playing in the streets. And they're having a good time. (laughs) And suddenly they see the black man. And they stop. And they watch as I pass through their neighborhood. And I just kept moving. And it happened in each of these neighborhoods. And I was like... Steven Spielberg or Stephen King? Never no, mind. Spielberg. Well, uh, well okay, yeah. <laughs> I kept moving. I didn't want it to turn into Stephen King. Right. So I was like, okay, this is Boston. Yeah, I'm cool. I don't need to come back here ever again, y'all. This is, mm. this is different. Yeah. But what I was going to say about the Bay and somebody... The Bay, people don't... Especially the East Bay. I mean, it's true San Francisco. People bounce here from all over the world. Some people stick. Some people don't. What's neat are the people who go away and then come back because they mm-hmm. did put some t- down some t- sort of root. And I feel like you see that even more in the East Bay. You know, yeah. it's amazing. Stories like uh, Blues for an Alabama Sky, you know, that beautiful play, mm-hmm. um, where they talk about going to Paris. Black people mm-hmm. talking about going to Paris yeah. in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Oakland is one of those cities where people have – 
you know, first it was car- traveling the country, but once we get to that international thing, once we get to World War One, and with us, we've got the Pacific, too. Mm-hmm. People have been traveling. People of color, people of all mm-hmm. ethnicities, people mm-hmm. of all economic identities. Throughout the history of this area, this has been a place that people travel through. You yeah. come through, yeah. some stay, some leave, mm-hmm. some come back. And yeah. it's been exciting to see. Yeah. yeah, you know, when I first came here, I had a my boss, he was law office manager, and he told me a little bit of the history of Oakland where blacks would come, especially post-World War, mm-hmm. to get jobs as um, on the, I guess – Un- unloading docks, I mean, right. going going to the docks right. and unloading packages and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. One quick thing before we get into shout-outs. Since you grew up in Brooklyn, were you around during the 80s? Because I always tell people when I was in New York from 87 to 91, there was so much racial stuff going on. There was Tuana Brawley. There was uh, Yusuf Hawkins. There was the uh, Central Park Five. Yeah. Were you around during all of that time? Um, I remember... S- Something, but I don't know if I was alive or if I just heard it. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I, <laughs> I, I assume I, I should not assume that you're our age. What year was that? Are you in your twenties? You're in your thirties. Mm. This is a podcast. Let's not go there. Okay, but I'm younger than you are. Oh, yes. for goodness! I'm sake. younger than. Okay, never mind. The other reason that I wanted to have you on because I yeah. wanted to hear from your perspective what the Bay Area scene yeah. is. So yeah. It's, yeah. Been, it's been fun. Yeah. And I want, I want to say, too, because you did ask, like, the leaving part of it. Yeah. If I had found something here in the Bay. Yeah. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just didn't find anything. If I had found something, uh, a training program of this sort in the Bay, I would probably have opted to stay. But yeah. I found that, and it was like, ooh, and it's the theater, and it's the social yeah. equity aspect of it, too, intertwined. Yeah. Because I do social equity yeah. work. So that was really important for me and key yeah, for me. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a shame. I don't know if it, it if, if a thing like that doesn't exist in the Bay Area, but it should. Like I think about Ruben. You know, we had Ruben on right. last week, last and he week talked did. about the writing workshop that they have at Portrero. Right. Um, but I don't know if um, I don't know if they allow people in. There, are, there are all kinds of programs, mm-hmm. but you know, part of it is part of it is just getting the word out people yeah. don't again it's this connection of theater right energy yeah there's all kinds of energy but if you don't talk to the right person you may never know about the <coughs> whole exactly. other yeah. area so there's that going on and then the other part of it is just straight up money that's true you know each one reach one is a wonderful organization in terms of the work that we do mm-hmm. right the money the money if you got nothing else going on, the money's okay. Yeah. If you're trying to make a living, yeah, the money is not enough. Yeah. And the few organizations where the money is enough, where the people who are doing it are making a regular living mm-hmm. you, through those programs, they're they're out there. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know how many there are. It seems to me like there are more of the former than the latter. Yeah. It's a shame. It's it's a real shame. So let's do shout outs. Don't have any? <laughs> uh, well, the um, um, Ubuntu show is closing. I think it's closing this weekend. Okay. So if people haven't seen Rashomon. That's right. I, We've been I'm plugging Rashomon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even more so because Mohammed, um, and I'm going to mess up his last name, Shibata, I think mm-hmm. it is, um, is, he was the assistant director and understudy, and he's going on. He went on, I think, last weekend, and he's going on again this weekend. Okay. And it's only four actors, so that, yeah. and they don't leave the stage <laughs> Oh wow! So it's going to be pretty intense. I'm cool. If I've got time, I want to get out and yeah. and see that one. Um, for birthdays, um, today AJ Mitchell, our good friend. Oh, oh 
It's his birthday today. Yeah. Happy he, birthday, AJ. Happy, happy birthday, AJ, if you're listening. And tomorrow, he'll be in my room. He's directing All my right. musical, Nia. Oh, my God. I just saw the play that he directed. They opened on Saturday, The Legend of Pink at Theater Rhinoceros. Oh. That, that's right. That, it, are, I have is a, that another going friend. On? It opened Saturday. So okay, they'll, yeah. be, wow. they'll be running for so been busy. a few weeks. That's great. Yeah. And I have another theater friend that I did color purple with and to kill a mockingbird with who mm-hmm. is in that play yeah i got the to legend see of that pink? yes oh, awesome nice. so yeah so we'll pump we'll pimp uh, a legend of pink That's at theater rhinoceros <laughs> at uh the ashby and not the ashby the uh, the eureka right uh, are they still calling it the eureka well i would hope they are but yeah well, it's at it's, the, it's at the place side. where it was the was the eureka theater it? no it's not the north side that was that's in yeah Mason. Um, the other thing i would like to point to is not theater mm-hmm. um but it's uh, the North, um, what is it called? Is it called the North Pole? I think it's called the North Pole. It's um, it's a little webisode thing. Okay. I mean, the, the, the it's like eight minutes or so. Um, they had seven episodes, um, and I just finished watching the last episodes this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It so talks about what's going on in Oakland. Huh. So the metaphor that they're playing with is yeah. like the polar bears who's – environment just disappeared on right, them right mm. migrated south yeah and they say i don't know if this is actually true but they say in the show that they started um they started messing with the grizzly bears oh <laughs> yeah, okay um because yeah. you know you've got to adapt sure sure uh, and so there's a whole thing about basically black people in oakland being like these polar bears trying to find some way to adapt and survive mm. mm-hmm. as their environment is disappearing um, so it's about gentrification. It's it's a tight little fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I was really surprised. Yeah, where where do you where where can people see um, the website? It's a YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. So also um, birthdays, and I guess I have to replug this on Saturday. But John Hutchinson, a very good friend of mine, uh, ex uh, Eastender, he has a birthday September twenty third. Also, Linda Ayers Frederick, her birthday is September twenty uh-huh. third. Mm-hmm. She was on the show. She's the uh, the owner of the Phoenix Theater, mm-hmm. and uh, Justin Sad- Sadonian, um, Justin Sadoian, uh, he runs uh, Ray of Light Theater. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, which is a uh, I did Bat Boy and um, mm-hmm. Debbie Does Dallas, <laughs> uh, and they do fantastic work at Ray of Light. Oh, nice. And his birthday is September twenty fifth. Where Where's the theater located? Uh, the Victorian Theater. Oh, okay, in San yeah. Fran. Yeah, San exactly. Francisco. Across okay. from the old where Rhino used to be. Right, yeah. Um, and show-wise, um, there's a theater company called the Theater of Others. Have you ever heard of this before? I think I've heard of it. They're doing a Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually opens October 6th, runs through the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Theater of Others, and that's at 220 Golden Gate Avenue in San Francisco. Oh, what about you? Uh, you? Okay, so yeah, so uh, you go ahead and plug again uh, your Tuesday. You have a, you're doing Tuesday, poetry? I'll yeah. be doing poetry. I don't have the information handy, but it's going to be at the AU Lounge in Oakland. Okay, um, the AU Lounge. I on Broadway. AU. Yeah. yeah. I believe it's from, I think, I think networking starts at 7, and mm-hmm. then maybe mm-hmm. the poetry starts at like 8.30 or 9. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. remember. I don't have the flyer handy. Mm-hmm. Right now. The AU Lounge at 2430 Broadway oh, in okay. Oakland. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, uh, we'll. I don't so know above, if the information uh, will be there, the, the yeah. flyer information. But, but yeah, but you can go to auoakland.com. Uh, that, that's the website of the AU Lounge uh, to check out mm. Anju. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I should have had you, if I knew that, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm horrible. We do a good job at the yay, but, you know, there's certain things that we can improve on. I would have had you recite some poetry. Oh. Do you oh. Have, do you well, have thank God you forgot. <laughs> so you don't have memorized, I, do have, huh? I do have some memorized, but I'll actually be on the radio as well on September 30th. Okay. If what people wanna sure. yeah. want to. Yeah. What radio? It's Mutiny Radio. I've heard of Mutiny Radio. Yeah. Yeah. So Tungo Eisen Martin. Mm-hmm. He's a poet. He's pretty well known in the Bay. Yeah. And he's going to be running that. Yeah. No, you you wanted to get something. You, you yeah, I wanted to get, to get the URL for the radio show. Uh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we'll plug fine. that. That's okay. We'll, okay. Yeah, we'll Thanks. we'll plug it on there. And uh, anything else, Norman? We'll, we'll, no, we'll, we'll keep it I mean, because Saturday's coming up, and I feel like all the shout-outs, the birthday shout-outs we did last yeah. week were all the way through <coughs> the 21st. So yeah. there's a ton of people with birthdays tomorrow. Yeah, September birthday. Sagittarius, so, is that is that uh, It's the very end of uh, uh, Virgo. Virgo, okay. Very end of yeah, Virgo. And heading into Libra. Yeah. Libra. Not that I believe in. Are you into horoscopes? A little bit. A little Just bit. a little. Yeah. But oh. you can't let them take over your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, here's my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app and on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay if you're on a desktop or a laptop, if you're listening to it, on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper left-hand side and search for the Yay. You'll find us. And it has the correct artwork. Thank Yay. you, Apple. And finally, it's been a long time that I've been asking them to update the artwork, and now it's correct. Now, for non-Apple users, for Android users, you can download the SoundCloud app or go on SoundCloud.com and search for The Yay. Uh, the Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook and we'll take it from there. And we got to better, better sign, sign off. <laughs> and we are out. Yay! Yay!